everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you've all been enjoying our most recent episodes. Today, I'm super excited to introduce you all to Dr. Sarah Bailey, who's a GP trainee, but even more cool, she's a rugby sports medic and a fitness instructor based in the Midlands. Um, thank you for coming on to the show, Sarah. Um, introduce yourself. No worries. Thank you for having me on. No, it's our pleasure. Um, so I reached out to Sarah after seeing her Instagram page and she's like a fitness fanatic and I felt, I looked at myself <laughs> in the mirror and I felt, you know. All out of shape. Yeah, I felt <laughs> all out of shape and I felt breathless to scrolling through her page. <laughs> no. Um, but it's good. I, I'm a big fan of fitness. Um, but what we like to do is, before we kind of talk about fitness, before we talk about sports medicine, we want to kind of share your journey throughout med school graduating working as a junior doctor up until the point where you are now as a gp training if you're happy to share that with us and our listeners awesome yeah that sounds absolutely good so where do you want me to start should i start back at school or med school how far back are we going i think let's 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 start from school let's talk about your journey into medicine because i think um it's quite topical especially uh i think was it yesterday a levels results day yeah um considering yeah, i think it was yeah so a lot of students are out there now and i think um in terms of the more state school students working class students a lot of people have missed out on medicine and sometimes they just need that little bit of spark from someone else's journey um so yeah let's hear about your journey yeah absolutely it's, it's really tough isn't it at the moment and obviously there's loads of stuff pinging around the media and social media as well about it so for those of you who didn't get results i, I do really feel for you but we'll talk about it later but there are things that you can do mm-hmm. to kind of change that path when it all seems like it's going wrong but for me um i started um i was very fortunate actually um at the time when i was young when i was much younger um the conservative government i think was in at the time my sister was 10 years older than me um, and she basically got a scholarship a full scholarship to a boarding school Mm. um i came from quite a deprived background um and obviously that was a massive deal she got to go there for sixth form Mm -hmm. and then 10 years kind of passed um, she was just leaving the school and, and I was going up to the age of about nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked around a couple of the local state schools and basically didn't enjoy them because ironically, I, I'm still doing sport to this day. Yeah. They weren't unfortunately doing sport. Um, and my mum was thinking, well, Sarah, you're going to have to go there because there's no other option. And then <laughs> this school actually reached out and said that they would basically give me a scholarship to go there. So I from the start, I've been very lucky. Um, I, so I went to a boarding school from the ages of nine till 19, which did give me open a lot of doors and gave me a lot of opportunities. Um, and my life could have been very different without that <laughs> yeah. school. And it's called Morton Hall in Shropshire. So I feel super, super grateful for it. What was that experience like? like? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> it was, it was, it, I absolutely loved it. It was great. It was like, you're always away from your parents, yeah. which oh, I love my, my parents, yeah. but my gosh, it was fun. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah it was it, it was really really good fun i think it was it was interesting for me because obviously i was on a scholarship so i was i was an absolute goody two shoes at yeah. school because <laughs> i was obviously like wanting to make sure i kept my place yeah, i wanted yeah. to make sure i was working hard and i think it definitely gave me more incentive to, to be actually focused and work hard mm. um so i did work quite hard through school academics sport drama the lot we were lucky to do lots of things mm. And then obviously it comes to deciding on what you're actually going to do with your life when you leave the 350 girls in the middle of Wales, yeah. <laughs> which was basically our boarding school, um, so going into the big by world. And for me, it was a it was a bit of a odd decision, but um, I was going between going to drama school or going to medical school. Oh, wow. It's a completely um, different feel altogether. <laughs> I know. And it is completely different. And I know, like, I remember a teacher being like, Right, Sarah, flip this coin. Whichever you do, you're going to because you can't make a decision. And I was like, oh my gosh, this seems a bit extreme. Like, uh, are you serious? <laughs> and then, uh, so I flipped this coin. It landed on drama school. And I, I looked at her and I was a bit disappointed. And she looked at me and she was like, well, you're going to drama school, Sarah, aren't you? And I was like, I do really like drama school, but I oh, I think I probably should go to med. And she was pushing, pushing, pushing for an answer. And I was like, oh, I'll go to med school. And I, it's, it seems like I, I'm downplaying that because obviously applying to med school isn't that easy. It's not on a flip of a coin. But it just shows that my passion was there and I really, really did want to do it. So for me, that decision was a huge decision. And it's certainly it's 
directed the last 10 years of my life. But um, I think that's quite a nice way. If someone's not done that before to do that, because it forces you to think, yeah. oh my gosh, this is decision is being made now, but it's not actually uh, making the outcome of the decision be whatever the coin flip is. So I love that. So then I, that was when I was about 17, no, 16, I think it was. I'd already kind of um, scaled all my A-levels to, and GCSEs to be based around drama and medicine. Yeah. Um, and then I started obviously putting my head down a bit more for A-levels and applied to, where did I apply to? King, Southampton, Leicester and Birmingham. I got, what did I get? I got offers from them all apart from Leicester who gave me biomed science, which I thought was interesting because hmm. at the time, again, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I only had to get, I say only, but three A's to get into medical school. But I, hmm. I think that's probably changed now a bit. Yeah, I, I think a now I've seen a few stars, a few yeah, stars on it now. Loads of A stars flying around. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Need to get... you know, and I think that's tough because they don't only want your star, the A stars, they want you to be like, writing the theme tune singing the theme yeah. tune yeah. doing sport doing everything drama everything so alongside hard. have you seen have you also seen the curriculum it's no longer just like the basic biology they le- pretty much learn medicine in biology uh, which is pretty crazy yeah. <laughs> it's, it's madness isn't it yeah absolutely honestly absolutely. I, I, it's, it's so much pressure yeah. um, so I feel to be honest I feel lucky to have got in the year that I did because actually if I'd applied a year or two later I, I'm unsure I would have been able mm, to get the star mm. So I'm, I'm grateful that, that I got it. But again, that just underlines. And like like we were saying, drama and medicine are super different. But actually, there's one thing that's kind of the same strand between them, and that's communication. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's one of the things, hopefully, that's coming across here yeah. um, but <laughs> in medicine in general that I, I love doing is like talking to people, explaining stuff. Because that's where most complaints come in medicine, isn't it? It's lack yeah, of communication. Absolutely. So making sure that you're good at communicating is vital. So I think I, I was kind of, that, that I think was a strong point of interview and then uh, ended up choosing Birmingham mm-hmm. because it was, it's actually, I chose Birmingham for a number of reasons. Curriculum, I quite liked the city when I'd gone there. Everyone seemed really friendly and much friendlier than some of the other unis that I'd looked around mm-hmm. in the medical school. And it's funny how those people on your, uh, I don't know about you, but when you looked around the med schools, yeah. those people that showed you around could literally, boom, influence your decision that is, yeah. about that med school. so true, person. yeah. It is. I don't think they realise so how true. important they are, especially when you've got like a, like a handful of offers and you have kind of the privilege to choose. And I think it was the same yeah, with kids. Exactly. It's like you go there and you see the campus, you see everyone there and you're like, yeah, this is somewhere I can fit in. Whereas knowing me, exactly. if I went to like Imperial, I don't know, maybe Oxford Cambridge, I'd be like, nah, there's far too many books, far too many smart people around here. But I think, yeah, those ambassadors <laughs> on the open days. I would yeah. absolutely, everyone's talking about imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never really heard of it as a thing. But literally, I would be proper imposter syndrome if I was there. Yeah. I already felt like when I went to med school that I was like, I'd come from being, and I don't mean this in, in like an arrogant yeah. way, but like because I was like getting good grades, mm. and I was doing quite a lot of things, being quite, quite a big fish in like yeah. a smaller yeah. pond. And then you go to med school and you're literally like, my God, I'm this minnow oh in the sea. What have I got to give? That's quite interesting because... <laughs> it's hilarious, isn't it? Yeah, because I think we we all, when we're at school and college, we are sort of big fish. And then you're all... When you go to med school, you realise you're with all the big fishes from everywhere Wait, across the country. Yeah, I took a picture of me in my, my secondary <laughs> college and they stuck out on the wall outside our main hall. That's how right? big of a fish that's you were. That's how big of a fish I was. And I came into med school and then my... When I saw the yeah. centile rankings for the first few years... I humbled myself real quick. <laughs> it wakes you up, right? Yeah. It's, it's a slap in the face. Uh, but yeah, it goes to show. Oh, man. It was funny, isn't it? Yeah. Gosh, I remember like at the end of first year, um, our anatomy instructor put on the board the initials of everybody that was in the top 1% that passed their anatomy. <laughs> Honestly, could you believe that? So we were all there like, my god you've made the board you've made the board i obviously did not make the board (laughs) but it was hilarious (laughs) it was absolutely jokes i was like this is savage so so tell us about med school uh, tell us about the sports is it something you continued throughout uh, med school um did it kind of take away from your time to revise sit exams a question we face a lot and a lot of people we saw was a lot of medical students for the first few years they tend to avoid any societies because so this you know because they're so caught up yeah. in doing really well in exams how was it for you were you able to do sports were you able to join those societies and still kind of get through med school clearly obviously you did get through med school but kind of tell us through that um 
moment. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I played lacrosse, which is quite a niche sport at school. Yeah. Um, so one of the other reasons I chose Birmingham is because they had a uni Birmingham uh, lacrosse team. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I joined med school and then I heard that there was a medics lacrosse team. And actually, I think the medical societies are super flexible yeah. um, and they understand the pressures that are on you. So initially, I joined the medics lacrosse. Um, we ended up playing the uni. The uni basically poached me um, oh, okay. from the medics, um, which is very flattering. Um, and then I ended up playing uni lacrosse for a couple of years. Yes. However, mm. probably about halfway to three quarters of the way through my third year, um, I it was it was honestly it was too much. I was missing Wednesday afternoons. I was having to travel to Edinburgh because I was playing first, so we were playing like oh, wow. literally everywhere. Yeah. Um, it was so much alongside academics which academics have always like been have never come easy to me I have to work mm-hmm. at academics and so it wasn't allowing me that time to be able to focus so probably about three quarters of the way through third year I was like okay I think something's got to give here also lots of the people doing other courses were leaving that I knew really well mm-hmm. so I thought that kind of gives me a bit of a get out as well so I transferred back to playing um medics across at that point um and actually, unfortunately, I don't play lacrosse anymore, which is a shame because oh. I used to love it. But it it is difficult to kind of get that balance because ultimately you're you're there to pass your exams. Oh, yeah. But I spoke to somebody recently who was saying how they regretted not being in more societies and not having more fun at uni mm. and kind of being a bit more laid back. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I just thought that was such a shame. Like I know doing all these extra things, honestly, it it made me sweat at university. <laughs> getting through exams as well as like being in the med school show being I was vice president social in my third year doing like um lacrosse and rugby I played as well at uni uh it it all those like med med schools are given you hopefully you'll pass it but those are the things that I really hold on to and actually made my time at uni really amazing so it doesn't have to be that you pick loads of different Mm. things whatever and it doesn't have to be that you pick sport but I find with sport it's awesome because you're not only getting hit fit and healthy and kind of investing in yourself while you're doing it but it's also sociable Mm. so I think it's quite a good way to kind of kill two birds with one stone really um and I I think it is a shame if you don't get involved in all that side of things but just pick Initially, I would say when you start, certainly you'll go to Freshers' Fair. Everyone will be like, come and join our society mm. and get everyone's numbers and names and emails and just think, actually, what do I love the most? Mm. And maybe start with one or two things. And then that you can pick it up at any time. So if you find you have actually got more time, then you can pick up other societies as well. I definitely agree. And I think one of the best things about med school, being med school, is the fact that you can join these societies and you do leave having made all these awesome lifelong friends so i definitely recommend all the new incoming medics join the societies you can always make time for it is what i truly believe but yeah don't leave not having enjoyed medical school i think people keep getting confused with medical school being medical school and not university medical school is university that is your time to enjoy what university has to offer so don't get too caught up trying to chase that first centile ranking and kind of leave thinking oh my days I, i missed out on this uni experience um, so yeah and, fi- and five, five to six years yeah, yeah and five yeah. five to six years spent just reading textbooks and revising is a is a large chunk oh, of no. your life <laughs> <laughs> to just spend not doing the things that you love so no absolutely agree there so come towards the end of med school how is that process for you in terms of choosing where to do f1 and f2 picking the jobs you did for f1 and f2 was sports still a big factor making those decisions in terms of locations? I know maybe if you're in a central London hospital, you might not have access to like any greenery for like miles. And then mm. talk about mm. graduating, yeah. that experience of graduating med school, going and working as an F1 and F2. It was, it was absolute madness. I saw a video pop up in my timeline because obviously graduations happened recently True. for lots of the medics. Yeah. And it was us all getting our results. And I remember us all being in different rooms in the house just so that we were on our own opening them because then then if one of us didn't get the results, we had the space that we needed. Mm. Um, and so the four of us were literally in different rooms. One person was in the garden. We opened our results and we all just like slowly crept into the hallway and all looked at each other. And then literally everyone starts screaming oh in this God. video and it's like, oh my God. And honestly, I think that, that like just 
we were just like, thank gosh yeah. for that. Thank goodness. <laughs> I know that feeling. Because I couldn't do that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. Oh. Um, yeah, so um, it obviously, and then obviously um, you apply for your foundation years. And for me, I like, I've always in the past tended to make things a bit complicated for myself, choosing really difficult modules for no real reason. <laughs> and I just thought, you know what, let's keep this easy. Yeah. I'm not playing a game here. Mm. I just want an F1 year that I'm going to get a good broad spectrum of jobs yeah. and I'm going to be in a hospital that I know is nice. So I actually stuck in the West Midlands mm. Um, I um, applied to Worcester Hospital, which to some, they're like, why did you apply to Worcester? It's a smaller hospital. It's a bit further out. I'd never actually been there, but all I'd heard was good things about the community mm-hmm. there. So I applied to Worcester. Um, I applied for gen- like very generic jobs because I thought it would be a really good basis to start on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had respiratory, elderly care, and uh, general surgery, which was upper GI. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had those in my first year. And back then in the West Midlands, I say back then as though I'm 100 years old. But <laughs> it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, but you could, um, you could apply in your uh, second year, so your FY2, to go, um, it's like splits. You could apply then to a different um, area in the West Midlands, mm-hmm. different hospital. So I then applied um, with my portfolio to go to City Hospital. And that's really where my application was kind of influenced by sport because at this time I wanted to work more in rugby. I'd been given a few opportunities mm-hmm. and I thought, do you know what? I need my weekends. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I kind of played the game a bit. My surname's B, which basically means when I applied for F2, whether it's the same now, I don't know. but you got three jobs in an order and then three people got those jobs and rotated around on them. Mm-hmm. And if you were earlier in the alphabet, you got the jobs in the order that you saw them in. Oh, wow. So the jobs oh, okay. that I looked at were public health, GP, and then A&E. So I thought, do you know what? This is perfect. Rugby season, I've got unbanded jobs. So mm-hmm. those of you who haven't graduated, basically that's jobs where you don't work weekends, you don't work out of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's eight months all over rugby season. And then I'll go into A&E, which is a great job. Um, really good, I think, to make you a good medic. Um, and then I'll be able to do that and then go into my F3 year and again be unbanded. So that's where sport probably firstly mm. kind of came into influence things because I thought, you know what, let's make my life easier here. I'm going to be really busy outside of medicine as well. Mm. Also, I wanted to be a GP trainee or do A&E. So I thought, actually, we'll get those two jobs. And public health was a bit more laid back. It was mm-hmm. nine to five. And um, it was really interesting, actually. There was loads of like... Obviously, be a bit more stressful in this time working for mm. public health yeah. because of obviously COVID. Um, but there were lots of smaller things that were kind of coming up that were quite interesting on that public health job. But it gave me the flexibility to do yeah. do the sport that I wanted to do and also work in sport so, as well. So with the public health, it's a lot of people during medical school want to pursue it. And you kind of see in everyone's Twitter bios and the Instagram captions, public health, global health. Not many people have the opportunity to do a public health job. Do you mind giving us an insight into what a public health job actually entails as a doctor? I feel as medic or as a medical student, you never really get a, a good understanding of it. So how was that as a doctor? What does it entail? It was, do you know what? It was really interesting. And it, it was something that I didn't really understand, like you say, before I started it. Um, I didn't realise that you didn't have to be a doctor to be a public health consultant. That's something I learned. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. You can be a doctor. That's one of the routes that you go into it. But also you can do a master's and PhD in public health mm. via different routes and you still can train as a public health registrar and become a consultant without being a doctor, which I think is awesome. Mm. So you don't you don't have to be a doctor to do public health, which is the first thing that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing that I absolutely, my favourite part, I would say, of public health um, was uh, the acute response centre. They called it the ARC. So every morning I'd go into the ARC, mm. turn on my computer, and then I got sent loads of different tasks. There might be new cases of meningitis that have flagged up in the area. They'll be reported by the doctors or the mm. hospital, and we have to follow them up, contact trace, make sure people have had injections, make sure that um, they're risk assessed, etc. And that would be the same for any communicable disease. Mm. So everything, mumps, measles, rubella, any cases would come through to this ARC, and it'd be our job to, to manage it. But not only health, there would be such things as calling up hotels who possibly have had a case of Legionnaire's disease mm. come from them and they'd stayed there in the last 14 days. So it, it's such a vast, wide spectrum of things. Um, I was obviously in the health and medicine side of things, but there's also obviously other sides um, of things like environmental um, health as well. Um, 
but it, it was fascinating. And then the other side of things, the slightly less acute side. So that bit in the arc, you'd be getting phone calls, dealing with acute crises, etc. Obviously, under the supervision of the of public health consultants and registrar for advice. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is process driven. So um, if if there is a new case, you follow a process and make sure that algorithm is all completed to make sure the kind of situation safe. And then the other side of it is basically. Um, uh, MDTs, that's multidisciplinary team meetings with all the team, if there are outbreaks, how those Mm. outbreaks are managed uh, and kind of contact tracing and trying to track down where these outbreaks could have come from. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those were done on telephone consultation um, and a lot of those um, were also meetings in there. So that was quite exciting. And then the other side of things was I did a lot of like audits there um, and research into patterns of disease um etc so it gives you a lot of scope as well to kind of do research into that so i think it's i think it's awesome and actually i met a girl that's um working in my current gp practice who's at sd3 mm-hmm. she's an academic sd3 which i didn't know you could do but you can and she does that in public health so part-time she is um doing academic public health research and part-time she's a gp so it's awesome it gives you flexibility so mm-hmm. that's that's my knowledge of public health basically Definitely. so that was i think that was quite a nice we'll stop tour of what public health is and i'm sure a lot of people will find that interesting to kind of see what it is what it entails working there as a junior so you mentioned um so obviously you're a gp trainee what kind of made that decision because i think it's that similar crossroads as you had when you were going into medical either drama or medicine it's either gp or any what made you pick gp at the end and kind yeah. of pursue yeah. that as a career Flip of a coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? I think my mum would be there sweating. Like, Sarah, no. <laughs> um, no, so I was, so I finished my F2. I hadn't applied for anything because I wanted a year out doing my, my F3 year locally. And then it kind of, I just finished A&E at that point. I don't know. Have either of you had A&E jobs? I yeah, I, I, I've, I've done an A&E job. I love the job. I absolutely love the job. I love the job, right? Yeah. And when you're in A&E, that A&E bubble, you're like, I'm going to do A&E. <laughs> yeah. This is awesome. I can suture someone's head at three in the morning and get them back on the road. Um, and like and then it stops. <laughs> yeah, it literally is. And then it stops. And you literally realise how, well, I did anyway, and this isn't a negative mm-hmm. for a because everybody's resilience is very, very different. But I just realised that I'd become really emotionally burnt out. Yeah. Mm. Um, I realised that I was, my empathy had reduced. I've always been quite empathetic. And I was like, my gosh, my empathy is, a couple of occasions, I, like, I think my empathy's actually gone. And my mum was like, I'm, <laughs> I mean, you need to like, you take some time out for you. <laughs> I know they did, they broke me. Um, and so I stepped out of A&E and I was like, gosh, I do love A&E and I really enjoy it as a job. I think it makes you a really good doctor. Mm. It gives you such a broad spectrum of skills um, as well and as well as being general as well. So you see everything. Um, and then um, I did a bit of F3 and I was thinking about what to do. And it was a decision really between A&E and GP. I, my decision was if I do A&E, I'm going to apply for it part time mm. um, so that I've got time to do other things. Because A&E is one of the no questions asked you can do it part-time yeah, absolutely jobs. and um what do you call it um the rotor the rotor is horrendous to do it full-time at 100 <laughs> percent, it's it's horrendous i mean like you said i think i had the same experience and my colleagues had the same experience i mean the rotor just it just felt like i was at work every day and i mean i started off buzzing about it i loved it by the end of the yeah. rotation i was like oh no another patient to see <laughs> um but yeah it's just absolutely isn't it? yeah it is non-stop and i think you're right um so i'm i'm at that sort of crossroads as well where i am thinking about ed as well yeah. and i would only do it less than full time i would never do it um yeah. absolutely 100 percent. No and way. certainly like uh, to anyone listening don't let me put my opinion i always say this like take people's opinions with a pinch of yeah, salt because it's built on so many years of different life experience etc mm-hmm. so just me saying i'm not going to do ed i'm gonna do gp isn't like a god no one should do ed because it's awesome yeah absolutely, absolutely. awesome and you, you feel a bit like an action man sometimes <laughs> as you know i did you know who should feel like the action man the ambulance doctor that literally just wheels people in yeah, yeah, has got guys. so many pockets in their trousers <laughs> they look so awesome. they're literally ready to intubate yeah. they look awesome they're all like six foot yeah, <laughs> yeah they're all big they're all like wow <laughs> big big people <laughs> pockets everywhere like man i want to learn to fly <laughs> a helicopter i remember <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, literally. I literally remember going to one of them. I was like, who's intubated this baby? Yeah. And he just looked at me and went, I did. Me. While flying. I was flying with one hand and then I intubated with the other hand. And, and he used my little pinky to draw uh, first. Man, they're so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they just casually so they say are. things like, yeah, I've just used ketamine to um, sedate and yeah. tube. And then I've also cut their um, limbs off because that's been crushed already. Um, wow. It's amazing. Shout out to all the paramedics. <laughs> and you're just there like, you're handing this over to me. Okay, <laughs> let me just call my boss. I know. <laughs> Literally, press the red button now. No. So I'm glad you, uh, you, you enjoyed that experience. So, so I imagine you picked kind of GP for, is it the luxury and opportunity to kind of have a bit more free time to do what will probably be the next part of the conversation, all the other stuff? Yeah, yeah I, I think so because... So yeah, I'm in R A and E. Yeah, will I be doing part time? Will I not? Because mm. A and E and GP are actually very similar. Mm-hmm. They're not, but they are. You're a generalist. You're kind of managing risk. You're referring, and it, it, though you're not necessarily in the first instance in GP doing all the kind of like suturing and skills in that respect, like actual kind of um, practical skills, mm-hmm. it's it's very similar. The history taking is very similar, and actually, in a way, I think actually only being in GP now. For a couple of weeks is really hard because I'm, I'm obviously now getting half an hour appointments which is such a luxury yeah. because i'm just being eased into it when you've got 10 minute appointments like i know i definitely saw patients for much longer than that in a and e because you've got to do blood you've got blah, blah, blah. you've got everything kind of there in front of you as well so it's tough but yeah so i chose um gp because of the flexibility because i did feel a bit burnt out i thought actually do you know what i'm I need to look after myself as well. And I think GP for me is the way that I can do that because I don't mm. really want to be part-time. Um, so I thought, right, I'll go into GP, applied for GP um, and then got placed, well, applied for South Birmingham, which is where I'm based now. Um, and then I did my ST1, which is your fully uh, kind of hospital-based year. And I've just come into my ST2 year nice. uh, where I've started in GP land. I've got this oh, and then PEDS. So then halfway through So pediatrics, kids. Yeah, coming, I, I'm a third, like just started my third job, oh, so kind of a Fine. third of the way through. Fine. Yeah, um, which is which is good, which is nice. And it is such a short program as well. Yeah. And the is, other yeah. reason I did GP, actually, it kind of does lead on to kind of the sports and exercise stuff is because you get a consultancy after three years, which makes it really much easier to work in sports mm-hmm. because you can be an independent practitioner working mm-hmm. in sport. Um, whereas if you go through the A&E route, you haven't got that consultancy because you're working as a registrar for many years, yeah. which makes it more difficult to get a job yeah. where you are the sole clinician in sports. Definitely. So for that reason as well, another reason why I um, chose GP. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about now, so what does it mean to be a sports doctor? What, what does sports medicine involve? Um, it's it's the thing that we've seen in, in the sort of the media outlets quite a lot, and it's quite new, I'd say, for a lot of people. What does it, involved, what does it in, mean to be involved in sports medicine? Yeah, I think it is quite new and there's there's kind of still the kind of society is growing and there's talks of a new society being born recently. Um, so it's certainly growing. It's, it's very different because it is a way of building up your kind of own career and your own career base. Mm-hmm. Um, more and more now, I think doctors are kind of plan- paving their routes and um, making their own paths. And this is a way that I feel like I can do that. Um, so for me, sports medicine might look very different to other people because I would always admit, um, like, I've only done it for a couple of years. I'm quite mm. a junior. I'm still a GP training. Um, so for me, it looks like I'm, I'm a team doctor for the um, Worcester Warriors women, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. I love rugby. Mm. I love it being around the girls. They're awesome. The club, awesome. being around that sports team feel is just, there's nothing like it. I've always loved it. So if you like being around that team, and, like, at this stage, like, I, I love the gym, obviously. Like you said I'm a yeah. fitness instructor and all that sort of stuff. But I wouldn't also have the time to commit to actually training solidly to be in a good level team mm-hmm. um, and actually uh, attend sessions. So for me, this is a really flexible way to be involved in sport. So I cover, at the moment, I cover um, home games so for the girls. So I'll cover both teams. I do clinics during the week for them and we'll also cover training sessions in case there's any big injuries. Yeah. Um, and then also I try and get as much experience as I can in other sports because I think, and, and a lot of that is volunteering, um, the kind of other sport roles that I do, because I think it's like in medicine, if you do an ITU job, it will give you skills that will make you a better GP yeah. even, like whether it's communication with families, yeah. whatever it is, mm. it 
it will. So there's a lot you can learn. I worked in boxing for Bucks, the British University, oh, nice. um, a couple of months ago at the beginning of the year. Mm. That was awesome, learning about how quickly they assess for um, concussion, how quickly they um, stop nosebleeds, etc. And some of those little skills. Yeah. Awesome. I can take that back to the rugby. Um, so true. I do that a yeah. bit as well. But certainly everybody's career in sports medicine, I would say, looks a bit different. There are um, sports medicine training programs you can go down. So once you're in ST, you've completed ST2, you can go into the sports and exercise medicine training pathway. Mm-hmm. Which is like a reg post. You're pretty much supernumerary for most of it. But you can, again, during that kind of, if you can apply to jo- jobs at like, I think one of my friends has got a job at Harlequins and has managed to get that as one of her sessions during the week in their sports medicine training. Mm, nice. So you can even in that route as well plan that or you can do it as like a portfolio gp which is becoming uh much more or portfolio doctor much more appealing where which is kind of a bit like i'm doing now so um i'm kind of do, do my gp training finish that and we'll be doing a bit of sport on the side maybe do a sports and exercise masters and just see where things go definitely i think it sounds interesting i think the thing you've highlighted and which is one of the reasons i wanted to kind of speak to you was medicine is so broad and vast and diverse and you can use that skill set in lots of different ways and i think sports medicine is a perfect example of that especially for someone that loves sports kind of you love everything about sports but you don't need to forsake being a doctor so you can do both you can have best of both worlds um and i kind of urge other medical students or kind of juniors you know people like us to kind of explore those options and see where else you can use your medical background to do things you love and i think one of those is like expedition doctors I've seen, um, or maybe oh, aesthetics, awesome. I love or like that cosmetics, sort of stuff. you know. So, um, yeah, so I think it's good, as in, like, that's what we wanted to kind of bring loads of people on the show to kind of show you can be a doctor and do other things that you are interested in about. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think uh, med school trains you to be in training for so long, you've already been in school for so long, being in training is quite comforting, and I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with just going through the medical school training go through registrar training to a consultancy if you love that yeah exactly and I, I don't think anyone should put you off that but I know personally I wouldn't have enjoyed that and we've got a lifetime in medicine haven't we yeah. <laughs> we we don't have to you can leave if you want but like I love it yeah. and we have got a lifetime so but there is the breadth of medicine that there's no point leaving medicine really because whether you choose to be a medical con um consultant in like the pharmacy business or or whatever you can still use your medical degree um just in a slightly different way so it, it's such a good grounding i really do think to to open a lot of doors Definitely. a lot of doors no i do agree i I, th- I think it's about taking control of medicine isn't it we some some of us are under the impression that it controls us training controls us we have to go yeah, into training absolutely. and do this and do that but i think a lot of our guests including you you guys have demonstrated that you guys have taken control of the career itself. So you are dominating what you want to do and what sports you want to follow, what skills you want to attain, um, what weekends you want off, what jobs you want off. And I think your whole foundation training also demonstrates that as well. You chose jobs where you could go to your sports sessions, uh, you could volunteer and do everything yeah. that you wanted. Um, and that's that. That's the main thing that we're, we're trying to get across, I guess. Absolutely. I think there's lots of people that I think we are risk adverse sometimes as medics Mm. to leave training um, and just like even take a year out. I know lots of consultants have said, uh, oh, sports medicine, that's a bit risky, isn't it? And actually, (laughs) yes, in a way it is. Because like if you think about it, if I was only working in sports, I wouldn't have had any work over COVID. Yeah, yeah. So it is it is and i probably would have been on furlough mm. so it is very very interesting because it i think covid as well has made me realize yes it is important to continue to be slightly risk adverse but mm. also have i think having your hands in a number of pots yeah as part of medicine job, is a very safe way to practice as long as you're not overstretched because actually if one pot of work goes you've still got other work in the nhs mm. etc to support you definitely so this brings on to the next question I've been itching to ask you is, Sarah, are you those individuals that does like a two-hour gym session and then does like a, a night on call? Have you been those individuals that they <laughs> they need to do like a gym session before they're coming to work? I've met a few nurses like on ITU who, unless they've done like a 5K, 10K 
and come into work, they don't feel productive. They just come in with their protein shakes Whereas and me, oats. me, <laughs> I crack open a Red Bull in Hanover <laughs> and I see them in their cycle gear. And it's funny because all my consultants used to kind of like, a lot of them cycling to work and they... Well, I don't know how those people yeah. do it. So, so which, which, which camp do you fall in, Sarah? I, I, do you need a good workout to kind of get you going or... Tell us about the fitness I world. Wish, wish, Tell us about I exercise. I really wish that I could be like, oh my God, I'm a boss man with a protein shake. <laughs> and do you know what? I would I would say about 50, I'm very 50-50. Okay. Um, in that, like, it depends what's going on in my life elsewhere. Um, so like recently we've just moved house, which my God, it is chaos. <laughs> um, and like also at the time I was um, doing a challenge for the mental health charity Mind and working with a new app called Gojo nice. um, in collaboration running as many kilometers as I could in a week. Oh, wow. So yes, I was that person that ran 18 kilometers to go and do my medicals at the rugby. Oh, wow. And everyone was literally like, are you okay, Sarah? <laughs> um, and I was like, uh, yeah, just about, I'm fine. <laughs> but I've been that person, but I've also been the person on A&E who for two months hasn't eaten anything other than pita bread and hummus. Oh. So it, it like, <laughs> it is, is, is difficult, isn't it? Like I find I really perform better now I'm getting into the routine of exercising in the morning. So I am becoming a bit of a gym bra, turn up at work with my uh, yeah. shake and my consultant <laughs> is like, here she is again. <laughs> you've got your Nike free runs yeah. on, you've got your scrubs on, set around your neck, yeah. protein shake in your hands. Feel like you're gonna do me a fitness test. Yeah. I'm like, yep. So I would say I'm in my best place if I'm like that, but I mean, we can't all be, I find anyway, I can't be like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like if oh, there'll be other influences that will influence definitely. it. But I know that I definitely perform better at work mm-hmm. and in life if I'm really putting like work into myself, keeping healthy definitely, um, and just not trying to burn myself out too much. Fine. So it kind of brings us to the question, why is exercise important? And is it more so important for medics that are so caught up in the world, so always on the verge of burning out? Can talk us through that and kind of give us an insight. The first thing to say is I think exercise can seem really inaccessible to a lot of people because over COVID you saw everyone like buying up loads of gym kit and feeling like they needed like loads of workout stuff mm. to actually improve their health and well-being. It's not the case. Some people don't like running. Some people don't like exercise at all. And I, I feel for those people, because for those, it's it's harder to stay fit and healthy. For mm. me, it comes easy because I love sport. I love doing it. But I, I think it's harder to kind of influence those who aren't really interested to kind of get going with it, especially medics who aren't really interested in it. In it. Mm-hmm. Because actually, I really do think it benefits everybody, whether it's from a stretch in the morning whether, with a bit of mindfulness, whether it's a walk in the morning, whether it's a run, whether you've run 18 kilometers to work because you love a bit of pain before your uh, <laughs> medicals um whatever it is um that you do i do think it's vital there's so many benefits i've done so many videos on this and, and like mm. uh, more and more every time i look into it there's more benefits that i find and i think a, a couple of them now the social benefit you meet people at the gym in your sports teams you might even just going out for a run You'll see people, you may have had a really bad day, not seen anyone if you're living alone, but even just smiling at people will make you feel better. Yeah. Um, I think the other benefits, obviously, it releases serotonin, endocannabinoids, which can improve. Um, they're like, in inverted commas, happy hormones, and it makes yeah. you feel effectively happier. But also, more importantly, they're kind of a mood stabilizer mm. um, as well. Um, other things, obviously, cardiovascular risk falls if you are very, very fit and healthy. Definitely prevents things like strokes um what well, doesn't prevent but reduces the chance of strokes cardiovascular disease diabetes makes weight much more manageable if you exercise obviously diet's a component there but it really does the list honestly goes on yeah. so for me it's a no-brainer but actually it's routine that's most difficult with it especially in medicine because a lot of rotors, we mentioned the A&E rotor. A&E's getting a really hard time. Please still do A&E, it's great. <laughs> um, Sarah's going to uh, get yeah, that call like back from her boss saying, Sarah, my God, I've I heard know. your podcast. <laughs> and you're just <laughs> slating us off. Like, I love A&E, okay? <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, that rotor that's really bad. Yeah. You can't get any routine. Yeah. And so it does become really difficult, I think, for medics to get a routine. Because without a process and routine as to how you're going to kind of consistently exercise it's difficult so I, I talk about how I work it and I think I'm getting into the routine now of exercising in the morning which I really enjoy and mm. I am and that's easier because I now start at 9am when I was on surgery I started at 8am 
there's no gyms open the thought of getting up at 6 a.m and having a rushed morning in yeah. the gym or outside doing exercise i was just it didn't appeal to me now i can have a chilled gym session in the morning dive in the pool go to work feel like i've been up for hours but also i'm feeling really refreshed mm. so it makes it easier so i think if you're one of those that aren't really into into sport i would really recommend it it is a really good way of burning off stress and also just keeping your mood stable stable giving you time to put back for yourself because i always talk about filling up your own cup so that you can give to others otherwise mm. what can you do exactly. um you'll have nothing left um, and really think of a process of how you're going to exercise, i.e., okay, set it easy. Okay, I've never exercised before. I'm going to try and exercise twice this week. Set an hour aside. You don't have to exercise that full hour. but And you don't even have to set what you're going to do if you don't want. Keep it flexible. But it comes to that hour. Have a think at the beginning of the hour. What am I going to do? Am I going to go for a walk? Am I going for a run? Am I just going to do an internet video, whatever? There's loads of stuff on Instagram yeah. now, loads of people mm. doing workouts. And just... And do what your body wants. Sometimes I want to do a really high intensity hit workout. Sometimes I get to the gym to do that, and I'm like, my God, all I want to do is stretch for an hour. So I do that. Yeah. So it's it's obviously you've got to push yourself at times to actually get to the gym, especially when you're burnt out. Mm. And I, I, that's why I say like me and exercise is is very fluctuating. Overall, I do exercise throughout, but like certainly when I was really really like uh, on busy rotors, it does fall to the wayside, and you have to make it a priority. Otherwise. It just won't happen. Yeah. How, with, with COVID and the closure of the gyms and everything, how did you adjust your sort of exercise routine? What What did you resort to? It was, yeah. So I actually, it, it was a tough because we were in a one bedroom flat, mm. which it, I say is tough. I still had a job. I'm very privileged. I don't mean it was very, I'm the mm. worst off, but it was difficult because we were in a one bed flat in Birmingham. There was no windows that opened. I didn't realise when I moved into it. It was like an airflow system. Okay. So can you imagine when we actually got COVID, we were literally sat, like I took on the sick roll properly. We we didn't have any outdoor space that was ours, so we really had to adapt. Mm. We managed to track down two 20 kilo weights which was quite nice we had a little bit of weight and some barbells which with weights that you could take off and I had a couple of four kilo dumbbells as well Mm. at home I was fortunate I had a few bits of kit like uh, the booty bands that you can get Mm. and a skipping rope and literally we spent lockdown because there was quite a lot at the beginning of lockdown really good weather Mm. so in the good weather literally put everything into a rucksack trekked up onto this the top of the car park it was literally like an ncp car park next to our uh, our, um, block of flats took a mat so we could like lie on the floor if we needed to or do burpees onto it and just started doing hits like 10 or hit, like amrap so like as many reps as possible for time mm-hmm. so we were like we, we appreciated with each other being a partner we were like right we're both pretty done we're both pretty tired from work let's just get 20 minutes done and then go and chill and eat and have supper and, and have a relax yeah. so we did that over lockdown just kind of tried to get outside because obviously we didn't want to spend too much time inside yeah. in the flat yeah. Um, and then just getting quick workouts because for convenience at least you've done the 10 minutes do you know what I mean it's, yeah that's awesome even if you can get 10 minutes in how did you guys yeah. do what were you doing so I, I did initially sort of train with I had some of the uh, resistant bands right um, so I, I yeah. used to train at first but then I completely fell off because it just didn't feel the same as the weights the treadmill the, yeah. the rowing machine uh, the barbells it just didn't feel uh, feel the same so I completely dropped off and I was over the moon when the gyms reopened <laughs> how did you maintain it did you yeah. manage to maintain or, or sort of the working out right the way throughout COVID the, the, the thing that I most maintained was the running um, oh, okay. so I, I think I've, I've actually got fitter over COVID which nice. is interesting because I didn't think I would um, I think getting COVID and being really short of breath yeah was stressful and I just thought my god right when I when I am um, came back from that because obviously you, the return to sport after covid is quite prolonged so yeah. i was like right i'm gonna have to be careful here um but i when i returned i was like i'm gonna get fit again like mm-hmm. I, I need to get back fit and so i, I really kept up the running um which is uh, like kind of long distance runs um and like i mentioned the kind of challenge i was doing a couple of weeks ago as well that felt really like cathartic because i'd put in so much after having covid to kind of like improve my fitness and to be able to i think i did them. Um, 111 or something kilometers in 10 days which was like i was like what on earth is going on even before i got covid i don't think i would have been able to do that Mm. so i i kind of 
I mean, I wasn't on the most stressful job throughout COVID. Mm. We were really well supported. So that probably gave me a bit of space to be able to do that. So if you didn't do anything over COVID, there's still time. Because even in the gym, like I'll probably do one to two sessions a week, a big weight, but then the rest of my time will be spent doing like dance classes or like yeah. hit workouts. So for me, that, that adaption wasn't too hard, but I know for so many people, because the main thing that they do is like the big weights yeah, and like yeah. I was gonna a bit say, of cardiovascular fitness for, maybe on the time. Yeah. It's tough. For like the one thing you've kind of highlighted, which is quite cool, is a lot of people kind of see exercise being solely going to the gym, smashing out the weights, and then that that's gym. Whereas you highlighted exercise isn't going to the gym, smashing out weights, it's skipping, it's running, it's jogging, even a brisk walk or even you know yeah. like a hit workout. Whereas I think for you, Abs, because exactly. you're so, yeah. gym in your head is like, unless I go to a gym, unless I'm bench, I'm I have whatever to lift, KGs. I have to lift the weights. for me, because where I live, there's an outdoor park, right? We pull up bars and all of that stuff. And, yeah, yeah. and I love calisthenics yeah. as to like gym. So it kind of works in my favor because it was all empty. It's outdoor. No one's around and you can go. Yeah. Awesome. So I think it is kind of important that you did highlight exercise is not going to the gym and, and smashing like, out a hundred kilos. Yeah. And do you know what? It, it, like, I've been there. I'm now veggie, well, pescatarian, but yeah. I used to be a gym brat, as I mentioned. I yeah. used to literally go to work with my little meal prep boxes. Yeah. People used to try and employ me to make them for yeah. them, like chicken, bit of rice, yeah. bit of veg. Like, I've been there, I've done that. And, like, I, it, it really works at the time because it gave you some structure. Yeah. But, like, I, I do think that, I think as you get, I don't know whether it's as you get older, because I'm not, I'm still not that old, but I think as you get a bit more settled, I think, you have to think about okay yes aesthetics is great and it is a way of exercise is a way of building that aesthetic that you want however also my mind certainly is, is more shifted to be like what can my body do mm. like look how amazing it is what can my body do what can i make it do what can wow. i teach it to do yeah. and also how can i make myself more holistically well because yeah. i said this in a recent post I can't, I can't remember the exact quote but who says like health isn't just lack of illness and disease it's kind of like the physical spiritual um, and mental um well-being aspects of your life being at one with each other and being an equilibrium and i think if exercise is used well it can really improve that and add to that kind of feature of health but if you're really stressed and you're doing hit workouts all the time and push yeah. push push and i've been there mm. actually that's just getting more and more adrenaline, more and more cortisol in my body. I'm getting more and more stressed out. And probably what I could have done with that day is doing a yoga session. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think, I think it's really important to have a number of kind of different exercises that you do and also to branch. And that's not to say that if you just lift weights, that's wrong. I just think it's awesome to like branch out because I know some of the strongest people I know do yoga and it actually improves the mobility so they can bench more because yeah. otherwise in the past, They've literally had no movement in their shoulders. Definitely. And I know when I was benching, I literally like, I got a bit of impingement in my shoulder because oh. I wasn't stretching enough. And like, I um, I was like, yeah, we always used to joke that he was carrying carpet. Because yeah. <laughs> he used to walk like with no flexibility in his, in his shoulders. Um, but so I think it's important to kind of do loads of loads of different types of um of exercise so oh, that you can be all rounded. Yeah. Um, but obviously what you love is going to take up the most part and it should do. But having a few other bits kind of in your gallery of exercise is, is good, is good. Definitely. I think that was good. And it was quite nice kind of talking about all aspects of exercise. I'm conscious of time and we're grateful for you taking the time out. Um, just no just to kind of wrap up, what advice would you give to those individuals that want to kind of pursue sports medicine, kind of want to have a taster in it? Um, what are the things they can do to kind of I don't know, perhaps become a, a, a sports doctor for like an amazing football team or rugby team. What advice can you impart to those listeners? Absolutely. Um, so first thing is, don't be afraid to ask people. Um, be a bit cheeky and ask people. I think I mailed I mailed lots of people on LinkedIn. I, um, I think I spoke to quite a lot of people, um, went on lots of courses. So um, I think I did one with the British Association of Sports and Exercise Medicine that gets you contacts, that gets you new evidence, new information so that you can see if you actually like sports med. Mm -hmm. You get a week, I think. I don't know if you guys have the same thing, kind of a career week. So we've we got taster weeks. Yeah, we had taster yeah, week. Going to a different specialty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. 
so I, I spent my taste a week in sports nice. um, because I, I wasn't sure what I was going to go into and I was right I was in Worcester so the Worcester Warriors was just there so I thought oh so I'll email a few people and see if I can get some time there so I spent that there and that's where my love of it kind of stemmed from mm. really um, I would I would I wouldn't be kind of look through it through rose tinted glasses in the way that there will be a lot of volunteering you're not going to go in and be like the man you doctor tomorrow <laughs> so I'm sure someone's got a friend that's done that yeah um, it, it, there's been loads of volunteering that I've done. You can do stuff like volunteering with St. John's Ambulance and that you can do, I think, even when you're a student, I think you can get your basic life support and do things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Kind of working. Um, so that would be great because a lot of those St. John's Ambulances are awesome and they work at events, which mm. is sports events. You can also cover the crowds as well. Um, and then, um, so that's a good way to get into it. I think... Um, don't let it impact your own sport. If you've still got life life in the old dog, then continue playing sport for yourself for as long as you can whilst kind of volunteering in these places because that will always be there. I mean, you don't have to be 22 in a sports medic. You can be 35 and pick it up. Mm. It, it can come at any point. And then the final thing I'd say is don't allow people to set your own glass ceiling. And by that, I mean, I think... I know I am. I'm very quick to be like, oh, I'm not sure if I can do that. And I have to reframe and be like, no, I can do that. And other people in the past have said to me, mm, sport is really difficult to get into. I don't think, I think, really consider it because I don't think you've got longevity in it. Do you know what? Maybe I don't have longevity in it. Maybe it's not going to be the main part of my career. Maybe it will be. Who knows? But if I'd have allowed that person to say that and, and, and actually listen to them and taken it as read then I would have actually not gone for my taste week in sport. I wouldn't be working for a team that I absolutely love now. It's one of my favourite parts of my job. Mm. So I think take people's advice and guidance throughout whatever you're in in medicine with a pinch of salt. They've absolutely. been through experiences, so respect that. But also it's not the same experiences as your own. So just just be really wary of that and, and take the advice uh, with a pinch of salt, I would say. But just put yourself out there. Ask questions. Get courses. There's lots of courses with the FA rugby football union like loads loads of different ones that you can do that are pitch side based mm. it's quite similar to be fair to like atls the advanced trauma life support course um and and those can give you a bit more um employability if you go to a local club and say oh i've noticed you haven't got a doctor do you want to pay me or just let me come and watch and just if there's any injuries i help out yeah. you could just do that there's loads of local teams that will let you do that and actually probably be quite grateful because as obviously you need to get insurance etc for doing that which is a whole different kettle of fish but um they'll probably be very grateful because usually the medic is like a bloke on the team and they just hope he doesn't get injured mm, or a girl on the team and they just hope that she doesn't get injured yeah. so uh, that's a great way of kind of picking it up definitely awesome really. advice i think that's amazing advice i think i'm really glad we did this it's quite interesting to kind of see your journey um up to the point you are you are now i'm sure lots of people can derive a lot of gems from it um we just want to thank you sarah for kind of taking the time out and doing this it's been super oh, fun no worries at all thanks yeah, thank you sarah thank you. yeah it's been really fun you boys are joking no, <laughs> where can people reach out to you yeah so, how do people reach out um i'm sure all the sports fanatics just in case they want to get in touch with you you're probably better than us answering yeah how, absolutely um, what so are your you handles find, yeah you can so you can find me on instagram i'm at the gym medic I don't know why I say the at. I always do that. You know it's an at on Instagram, right? Yeah. So I'm the gym medic on Instagram. Um, and then I've got a website, www.thegymmedic.com. Um, and also um, you can catch my emails and all the kind of other contacts on there. I kind of do videos about uh, clinician well-being, mm. medical school, starting F1, sport and exercise. I try to make it a bit more niche, but actually when I've done polls, everyone wants a bit of everything. So I'm yeah. kind of just sticking with that at the moment. I think, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah lots of... Lots of um, lots of videos about all that sort of stuff. I'd absolutely love to have you guys over there. And if you obviously have any questions about this, or you think, Sarah, what were you saying there? I don't understand it. Or yeah. can you explain on that? I'm not really sure I agree with your opinion. Pin me a message. Definitely. I'd love to hear from you all. Um, and yeah, guys, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. Definitely. Definitely. Thank, thank you. Thank, we'll, thanks for we'll your time. We'll leave a link in the description below of all the the, the handles so they can get in touch with you. But um, thank oh, you, thanks, Sarah, guys. and a massive thank you to all our listeners as well. Um, and we hope to see you all next week.